right, let's get into it. Welcome to episode seven of Teed Up with Connor and Patrick. Thank you guys for, for joining us. We have a very, very special guest, our mother. I tweeted out um, I tweeted out a question of who, who do people want on, and you were, you were definitely the overwhelming response, I would say, and, and, uh, and people, people you know, swiping up, responding to my tweet, and they say, I, your mom, she would provide a very interesting perspective, which I think is definitely true. Um, as, a, as a player, as a coach, as, and as a wife and mother now, um, but before before we get going, want a quick shout out to Hames Homes. Hames Homes provides beauty and comfort in the Eastern Iowa area. So shout out, shout out to them. I um, love Hames Homes. Hames Homes, man. They're, they're I love the place to the place to go. The place to go. Well, mom, you you just we're filming this on a Tuesday night, and Tuesdays in Iowa means high school basketball. You just. Woo! We were just at Little Jack's game, Little Jack or Big Jack, some might say. Baby Jack. Uh, I, baby him. Jack. Baby Jack. Um, how did how did he finish up? I want I want a quick rundown of the the second half. We were losing to Cedar Rapids Jefferson at halftime, but I heard he picked it up in the second half, right? He did. He was he was better in the second half, and he's learning. It's a big learning curve for him as you guys know you went through it but you had the benefit of Connor you had the benefit of being on a, a veteran team with a lot of experience with Wyatt Lowhouse and those guys and then uh, Patrick you had your older brother Jack has I mean he has Pete Moe and Christian but it's just it's a different dynamic so he's um he's figuring it out and I was really proud of him because he's been struggling and he was good he was solid he had a huge offensive rebound at the end of the game and uh, did really well yeah definitely it's it's definitely it's been an interesting season for him um he's played so well he played so well phenomenal in the start of the year and then like all freshmen do he went through a little rough patch a couple games and he gets and he got down on himself but he it's i i mean it sounds like he bounced back tonight in the second half and we heard you i mean you'll get on his case i'll get on his case patrick will get on his case dad'll get on you know whoever during the game, after the game, what has that been like for you? Whether it's, you know, giving Patrick advice, giving me advice, giving Jack advice, yelling at the refs on our behalf. Uh, what, what has that been like as we've, as we've grown up? How do you handle that? Well, I think, I think it's, a, it's a fine line between, you know, giving him advice or giving any of you advice. Um, I would say with, with you, Connor, I let daddy do it more because you're more similar in the way you see the game and the way you think the game. Maybe with Patrick, I stepped in a little bit more and tried to help him with the physicality of it because that is a little bit more of my expertise. Um, and with Jack, I feel like daddy and I are both doing it and you guys are doing it. And he, and then it's a fine line of like, what's too much and um, let him figure it out himself because uh, that's what he needs to do too. Um, but also, but you never want to make him feel like he's out there on his own either. So you got to try to help him figure out, okay, they're doing this to you. You know, he started out really well. And then of course teams pay more attention to you, right? If 
if you're shooting the ball as he was from three and scoring and, and passing. So now they figured out, okay, well, if we're more physical with him or we're doing this, that, or the other thing, this helps us. And so he's got to then process that and he needs help figuring that out and his coaches help him. And, and then we try to help him and you guys are amazing. And he, you know, lights up like you can't believe when he knows that you two are around. So it's a great, it's a great thing to watch as a mom. <laughs> so thank you. That's not true. That is not true at all. If anything, he listens to me the most. <laughs> I think he, he adores both of you. And I think he listens to you equally and for different reasons in different ways. And I think that's smart of him because he's taking, I've always said, even in his looks, Jack is a combination of the two of you. And, um, and I think that plays out on the court. You know, he has Connor, he's a heck of a passer like you are, and he's more cerebral than people think Patrick, he scores, he can score like you do. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the bounce that you had, you know, so he's a real, he's trying to find his own way and that's what he needs to do. And, uh, and knowing that he has you guys behind him and then he has me and, and he has dad, then, you know, hopefully that's all he needs. I would say that I have probably the heaviest influence on him simply because of this, because Connor was not went to college and I had two years where it was just, where it was me, him and Marit in the house. So I got to spend more time with him because Connor was gone. So I would say that I have the advantage just in terms of, I think his personality is more like mine than it is Connor's. I think he's more of a goofball than Connor is. And, and he gets the goofballness from yours truly. So I think I definitely have more of an impact on him in that way, as opposed to Connor, just because I was around more because he was in school. Yeah. Well, no, you but I think you're right. You and you, the two of you are more similar and Connor and Mart are a little more similar in terms of personality. So it's, it all balances out at the end of the day, but it doesn't mean that he listens to one or the other of you more or less, or to dad more or less, or, I mean, I had him in the gym last night. Yeah. Let's get into that a little bit. I heard there was a, <laughs> I heard there was a little bit of trash talking going on. What was, what was that like? What there might've been Connor, because that's important that he learns how, and I reminded him today, I said, Go against somebody like you're trying to score on your mom who's beating the crap out of you and following you and not being very, you know, motherly, I guess. For most people, that's probably not very good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's maybe one of the things I can hold over some other moms is I, I have a little bit more, more street cred in that For area. For most people, that's probably horrible advice. <laughs> uh, Let's just say he scored on me, but it wasn't without being shoved and pushed and spoken to. So, you know, and, and I think he, he did a better job tonight of, and I, I am not taking credit for this. I think he knew that he needed to, but you know, it's, it's hard. You guys know, I mean, you get into high school, you go from junior high to high school and you're, you're good as a freshman. So you're playing on the varsity and Patrick, you were skinny. And, you know, Connor was always a little bit thicker, but 
you were skinny too as a freshman, Connor. I mean, it's I weighed like 150 pounds. Yeah, I mean, it's a different level of physicality. And then, and then obviously, then when you go to the Big Ten, you two have both experienced that. I mean, it's yeah, a completely different level. But fortunately, Jack doesn't have to go right there right now. Yeah. But I mean, I was the like, I was about 190, but I was also like the fourth or fifth option on my team. And one and two being like Wyatt and like, you know, guys who can really score. So yeah. it was different for me going in as a freshman. Patrick was Patrick was similar to I was when I when I came in. Yeah. You know, he you weren't our team was loaded. Weren't that yeah, I mean you weren't a you weren't a number one option scoring wise. So you came in and affected the game. And but Jack's kind of I would say without Savian, Jack's pretty much the number two yeah. option for scoring. Yeah, I mean, you know, losing Savian was a huge blow to this team. I mean, they're they're good, but they they're better with him. And Savian is such a valuable as a scorer, as a solid kid, you know, just following the leader. game. Yeah. Leader, coach's son, kind of knowing what to do, leveling everybody out and and making people feel more grounded. I mean, Savian is a huge loss. And yeah. I think people who look at West, like I think they underestimate what a big blow that was to our team. And, so and not, you, not taking anything away from Pete or Christian or Jacob or anybody else, but it that was a that was a big loss. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Savian, Savian Taylor is Coach Billy Taylor's son. And he unfortunately had to get knee surgery. So he's out for the year. Um but everything is going well in his rehab. And obviously we, we wish him well. We want him to continue doing well. He's going to have a huge, huge, a, or huge, uh, a huge season uh, next year as the leader of the team. But enough about high school basketball. Let's get into, let's get into you and your, your playing career. Um, you know, as you said, you definitely, like you said to Jack, play like you're playing against your mom or whatever. You had, a, I mean, obviously an amazing career at Notre Dame, uh, thousand point score, played for the legendary coach, Muffin McGraw, arguably the greatest, one of the greatest coaches of all time, men, women, basketball, football, soccer, tennis, doesn't matter. Just an absolute legend of a, of a person, uh, an advocate for, an advocate for women's sports, uh, women's rights, just all of the above. Um, talk a little bit about what, what I guess, First, what it was like growing up in, in Minnesota, um, playing playing uh, high school basketball, Momo and Papa obviously supporting you, and then what the what the recruiting process was like with with Muffet and also Coach Coach Fennelly, who is now at Iowa State, who was your main recruiter, and we know how how fond of him that you are. So if you could just cover some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was. So when I, I mean, this is a hundred years ago, practically, right? So, um, roughly, <laughs> maybe not quite that, but, <laughs> but um, you know, when I I was coming up in the uh, in the early stages of when women's basketball was getting more popular, um, and in Minnesota, it wasn't huge, but. Um, I was lucky to be part of a group of women that were, we had a good senior class or junior, whatever 
class you wanted to like my class was a good class and so we started to get some attention and um and we there was a guy by the name of dick riley who was the father of a um a woman named kate riley who ended up playing at illinois and uh and dick was a huge advocate and he kind of put together this aau team and we literally had to so to go to the national AAU tournament, you had to qualify. And he, we had to fake our tournament because there weren't any other AAU teams in Minnesota. And so we had to play against, I, I shouldn't say fake, but like we had to come up with teams that we could play in order to have enough wins to qualify out of the state of Minnesota to go to a tournament in Clovis, New Mexico, which is not the garden spot of the world, but it was Perfect. great. And, what a uh, place for a national tournament. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that might not be a place. That's made it, up. Oh, no, it is. It is. But um, and we but we had a, we had this great group of players and we really had fun and um, and we did pretty well and we were all good. Um, I was probably the most highly. I don't know, highly ranked, I guess you would say. Um, and it was from there and some other camps that I had done earlier that Notre Dame started recruiting me, Wisconsin was recruiting me. So local play Minnesota. And then, um, you know, and then when we went there, then it became a little bit more national, you know, Carolina, different, lots of different schools. And I ended up being, um, and Iowa was one of them actually Vivian Stringer recruited me. Um, and and it was a great, you know, it was, it was a great time to be a part of women's basketball, um, as is now and any time from when I started and going forward and even just before me. But um, I, you know, I feel very, I, as I've said to you guys before, I, I feel very blessed to have been a beneficiary of Title IX because when I started playing, I mean, I, I don't think I knew that, I just liked to play. I was a tomboy. I more more and papa more more is mother's mother in norwegian that's my mom and my dad papa is how connor and patrick know them and um and they just let me go do what i like to do and they didn't force me into anything but i was such a tomboy and they thought oh well you should go so i played at the we moved to saint paul and i played at the jewish community center and i had all these really great guys that supported me and told me I was good. And then I played with boys most of the time. And I loved that. And then I played in Catholic school and I played for Tom Cody, who was at my grade school, but then also at my high school. And, um, and I was always surrounded by this really supportive group of people. And I, and I never knew what you could translate playing in high school or grade school into playing in college. I, it just wasn't like on my radar necessarily. And then it was, and then I was blessed with having the opportunity to, you know, I visited Duke, Notre Dame, UCLA, and Northwestern. And Iowa was my fifth visit, actually. And they took a commitment from another player, so I didn't come. But And I chose Notre Dame, and I'm super grateful that I did that. And as you said, Connor and Bill Fenley was a huge part of that. Um, he's now at Iowa State, but he was... He was an assistant to uh, the coach before Muffet, Mary D, and then he stayed with Muffet and then um, recruited me really hard. And then I went to Notre Dame 
committed, whatever. And then he got a head coaching job at Toledo and then was from Toledo that he got to Iowa state and he's been there ever since. And, uh, but I've always felt a special connection to him and to his wife, Deb, who's an amazing woman, amazing coach's wife. Um, and you know, his kids don't remember me, but I remember them when they were little. And, uh, so I think it's a small world as you guys know, right. Going through it and growing up and coaching, you, you form these relationships and these bonds with people that you are forever blessed to have and, um, and enrich your life in a lot of ways, more so than basketball. Yeah. I, I seem, I remember a story that you told me about why you chose Notre Dame over Northwestern finally. I'm wondering <laughs> how you made that final decision and if you could get into that. Uh, please. I know, I know that Momar was involved as well. She certainly was. So I, so it was kind of unique, you know, now this doesn't happen, but I, I took all of my official visits by myself. I went, I flew to LA by myself. I flew to Duke by myself, went to Northwestern by myself, went to Notre Dame by myself. And then I came home and I said to Momar and Papa, I said, I, you know, I think I've narrowed it down and it was Northwestern and Notre Dame. And I think I know you know, I, between those, I, I wasn't sure, but I would, I said, I would love it if you guys would come with me now and we could maybe go and visit unofficially and you could tell me what you think. So they said, of course we will do that. And um, so we, we drove to Chicago and I was the oldest of, you have three aunts. And uh, so I'm the oldest of four girls. So this was a whole new process for anybody. So we drove to Chicago and, um, we visited Northwestern and we walked around. And I mean, Northwestern, you can't argue with the academics and the campus is great and it's a great school. It was in the big 10, um, which meant that I would go back to Minnesota to play and whatever. And Mormor had always wanted to go there. So she was a big fan of Northwestern. Um, so we thought, well, okay, what do we do? So we, we started counting the number of cute guys that we saw as we walked around campus. <laughs> And then, and this was say maybe Friday and then Saturday we went, we drove to South Bend, which is only about, you know, an hour and a half away. We got to Notre Dame and uh, we started counting and we were, you know, in double digits before we got into the basketball office with the guys we thought were cute. And uh, so one more decided that was it. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you have, uh, I think when you have the embarrassment of riches, right, you have two amazing choices academically, athletically, in any way, shape or form, you're just looking for something that might differentiate. It wasn't the cute guy factor. It was really honestly, to, for me, it was um, where I felt most comfortable. And, and Notre Dame ended up being a phenomenal choice for me. And playing for Muffet was, you know, a highlight of my life. I mean, obviously, she's in the Hall of Fame. I was the captain of the first team that made it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we should have made it the year before. We were really good in years prior to that. You guys don't understand. And that's why I'm such a, an advocate for women's sports and Title IX and equality. Because, you know, I was there when it was 48 teams in the tournament. And, uh, and that was a big damn deal because we didn't make it because there were only 48 teams. And it wasn't fair because we deserved to be in. So you know, it's, 
I, I'm forever grateful for that experience. I'm sure I would have had a phenomenal experience at Northwestern. It's a great place, but I, I don't regret anything I did. Yeah. I want to get into, I want to go back to Muffet in a little bit, but I do think, um, you know, I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to visit Notre Dame and go and like step foot on that campus and not go there. Like, I just don't, it wouldn't make sense to me. Like if I, you know, if I was in any other scenario, like I just feel like it, it'd be, it'd be really hard it, like to go there and experience what like that's like, and then not go there. I just don't see how you could. Yeah. I mean, I, I get why you're saying that. I mean, I think you were brought up in the tradition of Notre Dame and, and, you know, you were born there, you were baptized in the log chapel. Um, it's been a special place for your dad and I, obviously, cause we met there. Um, for my family, it was not, you know, I was not raised Catholic. I was raised in the Episcopal church. Uh, my more, more. So your great grandmother was not in favor of that decision. Um, and for a lot of different reasons, but so for me, it was, it was a little bit different and, and that's where the comfort factor and where I knew I had great choices with any of the schools that I had on my plate. And, um, so I, I didn't feel like I could go wrong. And so I just went with where I was the most comfortable and a, and a large part of that had to do with Muffet and with Bill Fenley. I mean, that was, you know, as it is at Iowa, when people, you know, you're, you're making a decision to send your son or daughter to, to be in the care of somebody for a long time. And, and so that's an important factor. Like, how do you yeah. feel about that person? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, we, you've hit on equality, Title IX, you know, advocate, advocation for women's sports. What do you, what do you think about now when you see somebody like Caitlin, somebody like Paige Beckers from Minnesota, you know, talk about, you talked about women's high school basketball in Minnesota, people like players like them being, I mean, nationwide all-stars everybody knows who they are and yeah. so like talk about like what the game has grown to and the popularity you know they each I think Paige has a million followers on Instagram I think pa Caitlin has upwards of a hundred thousand you know Caitlin's shooting half court shots in the last game Paige is winning national player of the year as a freshman you know, just talk about where where the game has gone and where it's going I mean I think you know the women's game has evolved phenomenally since i started and um and i wish that you know the the wnba came in after i forget if it was after you were born connor or maybe patrick and and billy taylor who's he he was with us at greensboro and he was trying to get me to make a comeback <laughs> and <laughs> i mean i did i played in europe um and and i I'm super grateful for that experience, but I think that the opportunities for women now are just, it's so amazing. And I think, yeah, I mean, Caitlin Page, you know, all these different women, um, uh, Aaliyah, is it Aaliyah Boston, right? Patrick, you're, yeah. who's that? I mean, she's amazing. Like all of these different, uh, who's the point guard at Louisville? Haley, yep. Haley, I mean, and I, single them out because I watched them play in Argentina with Patrick. So it's a little bit unfair, but you know, what Tara Vanderveer has done at Stanford, what 
all of these different coaches have done with their different programs is phenomenal. And, um, and I'm so grateful to have been at the front end of that. And, and I'm so grateful to the women that came before me and especially people like Dr. Grant, who we lost earlier this year. I mean, what she did and the way she advocated and what she came up with for women's sports was phenomenal. And I, and I tell you guys, I mean, what I, the opportunity for women and the way it increased in a way is in, in sports, in college, and, and even for men in college is amazing because I played in Europe and I played with women who were athletes and up until they were 17, they competed in sports and then they would have had to make a choice like, and in Europe, that's what you have to do. You have to choose. Do I want to be an athlete or do I want to go to school? And I think it's such a great, it's one of the most unique and amazing benefits that we have here and that we offer. And everybody can complain about the NCAA and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that they offer so many women and they can fund those sports and different schools could fund those sports and men's sports that don't bring in a lot of revenue, which are most of them other than football and men's basketball, the opportunities that we have been able to provide as a country and as a, an athletic body through universities and through scholarships is, is an amazing thing. And I, you know, I'm, I'm happy you guys can make money on NIL and whatever else, but first and foremost, I'm a big advocate of NCAA college athletics because I think it's a huge benefit and has done amazing things for athletes across the board, but especially for women over the years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that point. Hard not to. But um, do you have any like funny stories for about Muffet, like whether it's in practice or a game or like maybe not funny stories, but like just stories that kind of speak to who she is and how amazing she is? Yeah. Moments that stick out from her or just I, I just want to I just want to get into Muffet a little bit. She's such a such a legend. She's so I mean, she's amazing to us every time we see her. Um, you know, she's just we need to we need to have some muffin love on the pod. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, she I mean, you're right. She's amazing. And, um, you know, I would have to say playing for in the early years, we didn't necessarily think she was going to get to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I thought she was a terrific coach. Um, she is one of the most phenomenal competitors. Like, it's not OK. Like we would go, you know, now we have when when we have recruits in like, right, we have them over to the house and we hang out like Muffet would do that, but we had to play games the whole time. And it was like cutthroat and you had to win and everything she does is focused around winning and being smart, being competitive, having an edge. And, um, and I love, and Matt is her husband is the perfect balance to that because he's super competitive and he's super supportive, but he also has kind of this goofy fun side and it, it tones her down a little bit. Um, and I would say, and I think any of the women who played for her at the beginning of her career would probably say that, you know, we would go back and we'd watch practice later on and we, Oh my God, you're soft now. You don't what, you don't have to run all those times. You don't have, I mean, we would, you know, we would, 
I don't know, we wouldn't do something right on offense and we'd be running. And then we wouldn't complete a, we had to do this whole segment of sprint. I've, and I've said to your dad, you need to run them more in practice. Cause that's how I grew up doing it. I mean, we ran and ran and ran and I was in phenomenal shape. Um, and we were really good, but you know, then as you get older and you have different perspective, you realize that like, maybe that's not exactly what you need. Um, but she, her competitiveness, her drive, her fire that was there from the very beginning. And she, and her intellect and her basketball knowledge and IQ. And um, there, there's nobody that I respect more. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people, when they're going through it, playing for somebody, you don't have the same perspective and then you leave. So maybe in a few years, you guys will look back and say, oh, dad is smart. You know, he, <laughs> he really knows what he's talking about. I, I mean, I'd like to think that you think that now. Um, and I do think you do that. Sometimes. Too. Most of the time, but yeah, but I, I think same is true for, I mean, it's for any coach you have and, uh, and she was, and is still, I think one of the more, uh, just one of the greatest parts of the game. She really is. And I'm proud to be able to tell people that that's who I played for. And, uh, and that's who called me later in my life after my playing career for her was done. And I was, I went overseas and she called me and said, do you want to come and coach with me? And that was a huge honor for her to think highly enough of me to do that. And it also led me to dad. And uh, so that's a good thing for you guys, but um, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm blessed to have her in our lives. Yeah. No, her competitiveness is something that I remember you always telling me Unparalleled. about. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I feel like there's, there's competitors which is most people that play at our level, right? And even, and it just gets greater and greater as, the, as you grow, but then there's people like her and you put her in the, in, the, in the level with like somebody like Kobe, somebody like Chris Paul, somebody, you know, like LeBron, like these guys are freak competitive. Like I was listening to JJ's pod the other day, Old Man 3, and he, he was talking about how it's just so annoying playing cards, playing games with yeah. LeBron and Chris Paul. Like you can't have fun because yeah. everything is tactical. All they do is try to win. Like they take the fun out of the game because they're just so phenomenally competitive. And I feel like you say you had to go and play games. That's immediately what came to my head is JJ was like, you can't even play cards with Chris. It's like, it's not yeah. fun. No. And <laughs> It's we probably were, not fun playing games with her. Daddy and I were at their house one night and we were playing charades and Matt McGraw and I were cheating. And I ran around and I gave him the clue. <laughs> she was so mad. <laughs> and I told we were totally cheating. But we just were like, it's fine. It's fun. Can we just have fun one time and not have to like worry about who's winning? But, it, you know, it's honestly like, I look at, I mean, especially during COVID, all these families that were together all the time and they all played games. And I think about our family, we don't play games with each other. It's not fun. Connor, I played Candyland with you when you were four and it was awful. You were horrified, like you were so mad if 
I didn't, you know, and I would purposely try to draw a bad card. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> and you would get so mad because I might be closer to the end or whatever the, you know, the la la dreamboat thing at the end. And, it, and I think that, you know, I think that's why I could play for Muffet. I think it takes a unique kind of person. Um, I think that's why you guys can play for dad. And, and I, every coach now at any level is super competitive, but you're right. There's a difference between being competitive and being a, a competitor. And, um, and she is on that next level of like, she just takes it to the next level, everything you do with her. And, and not, this is not a criticism at all. It's not in a bad oh, way. No. Yeah, absolutely not. No, it's a, it's why she's one of the, it's why she's one of the best. Yeah. It's why who, she is. Who she is. At all. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All of Famer. Yep. Without exactly. a doubt. Without a doubt. Dad said, dad said she used to, she used to X and O with them at Lehigh. She did because when she first got to Lehigh, she was the softball coach and the basketball coach. I don't think she knew anything about softball and she wasn't super worried about it but she knew basketball, but she didn't have any assistants. So she would come to his office and he was the assistant at the time with, and Tom Schneider was the head coach. So she would come down and, and X and O and, and really they, I mean, they spent a lot of time. I mean, they're, they're as close as she and I, I mean, that was a huge part of, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess you'd have to ask Muffet, but you know, I think that that time at Lehigh and, and, dad's time knowing Matt and the whole crew was, was a really um, instrumental part in her career, in dad's career. And then when dad got to Notre Dame, it was a big help to him to know her. Yeah, for sure. Talk a little bit about what it was like playing in France when you played there and um, let the people know that you can speak a little bit of French. <laughs> I can, I can. Uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience for me. I always, so I took French in high school and then Notre Dame has a language requirement. So I took French in college and I never could do, you know, as an athlete, you can't do a year abroad. So um, I ended up going and, and taking this contract and playing. And I ended up in the South of France. It was this beautiful place. And um, as soon as my teammates heard me try to speak a little bit of French or anybody around me, they stopped speaking English with me, period. And um, so it was really trial by fire. But it was great for me because um, my French got really good and, um, and I was able to, you know, I lived my life in French and, and in France, but in French, in France, because uh, I had a lot of, there were a lot of other Americans there that I came into contact with who didn't speak the language much at all. And so it was a really unique way for me to get immersed in the culture. And I was able to kind of go off on my own and go exploring and, and do different things. And then I also coached, I coached a team of 13 year old boys who didn't speak English. And I coached eight year old girls who didn't speak English. And um, not that my French was perfect and I'm sure I made plenty of, uh, you know, mistakes, but it was such a great experience for me. And, um, and I loved it. And I still, you know, 
the country has a, a special place in my heart, especially the, the Southern region. And uh, I look forward to taking you guys there and, and spending some time. Yeah, we need to go. We need to go. We but do. Yeah. You also said, like, I mean, you're okay. I guess it's difficult. You're, you're a thousand point scorer. You re, you're a tenacious rebounder. By the way, if you weren't, Papa would hate you because he <laughs> Papa loves rebounding. That's like his favorite thing. Yeah. He bribes you guys. He used to bribe me too. Yeah. He gives me like, he, he tries to give me money for every rebound. But it's okay. Um, but you, I mean, you're, you finish your career at Notre Dame and you go to France and you, you enjoy it, but it wasn't always the easiest, right? Like you were homesick and you know, now it's, it's amazing. We want to get back, but you definitely were homesick. So you, you were there for a year, correct? Correct. Yeah. 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 So a year. And in that amount of time you learned French, which in itself is probably a greater accomplishment than anything you could have done in basketball because I can't imagine that. Um, but then you come back and you eventually work your way to coaching back at Notre Dame with Muffet. And that's where you met Deb. Yeah. So I, I came back from France and, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have gone back to play another year. I had really bad patellar tendonitis. And so that was why they, they put me in a full leg cast to immobilize my knee. Um, to try to take the pressure off the tendon because it was so inflamed. And um, so going back didn't seem like the greatest idea. Plus I had this boyfriend at Notre Dame, not your dad, um, or who I'd met at Notre Dame. And uh, so I was like, ah, I don't, you know, I just use this as a great experience and I'm just going to come back. So I ended up, I, I healed my knee and I didn't go back, which I honestly to this, like I regret that I, I should have gone back to do it again. Cause it would have been even better the second time around. Cause I wouldn't have had the steep learning curve of trying to learn the language and everything else. But um, yeah, so then I, I worked in Chicago. I worked at the legal aid, uh, legal assistance foundation on a project getting uh, benefits for children with who are on social security and disability. And, um, and then I kind of took a, an about face and I decided I was going to drive around the country. And while I was driving, Muffet called and said, would you like to come and coach? And I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, where are you? I mean, yeah, maybe I had also in that time applied to law school and been accepted at the university of Minnesota. I was accepted at Notre Dame, but I was going to go to the university of Minnesota because that's where I was from. And I thought made most sense anyway. And so Muffet called and said, would you like to come and coach? And I said, what, well, I don't know, where are your games? And they were playing in Hawaii and I'd never been to Hawaii. And so I said, sure, I'll come coach for a year <laughs> if I can go to Hawaii. And, um, and so I went to the Minnesota, the admissions director at Minnesota, he was great. And I said, this is the opportunity I have. And I'd like to defer my admission. And he said, absolutely no problem. So I moved to South Bend. And that was in uh, August of 95, I guess. And, you know, by, I don't know, October, November, daddy and I were dating and, and uh, looked like, eventually it looked like it was going to be a good idea to stick with him. And um, so I coached that year and had a great experience. And, um, and then I just, but I, I wasn't, it wasn't so great that I wanted to give up coaching to not go to law school. So I, um, what I did was I just 
asked Notre Dame to reconsider my admission and they did. So then I went to law school there and then we got engaged right after my first semester of law school. We got married in that summer and then we had you Connor in the next summer and uh, the rest is history, I guess. 25 years almost. Rest is history. We'll <laughs> get into that after, after the break. Welcome back to episode seven of Teed Up with me and my less important co-host, Connor McCaffrey, and our wonderful guest, my mother, Margaret McCaffrey. Before we start, I just want to give a quick shout out to Hames Homes and what they provide, comfort and care in, in Eastern Iowa. And it's uh, really important. And I love, I love Hames Homes. So does Connor. So does my mom. The McCaffrey family loves Hames Homes. And so, uh, Mom, what we wanted to start with is, um, you know, just kind of what it was like with dad kind of moving around all of those places kind of as you were starting your family, like you had Connor and at Notre Dame and then you had me and Marit in Greensboro and then Jack in New York and kind of what was that like just kind of moving all around the country with him? You know, I mean, I think that's sort of what you sign up for. I mean, daddy had been a coach for, I don't know, a hundred years before he and I got together. Um, maybe not a hundred, I don't know, remember if it was 17 or 20 or whatever. Um, and uh, so I wasn't gonna come in and demand something different. Um, and we had a great time at Notre Dame. We had a great staff, John McLeod, who he worked for was phenomenal. Digger Phelps before that, who, you know, Digger was great. Um, and then as I was finishing law school, dad's career took a, shift and we were going to move to North Carolina but again it's sort of what you sign up for if you marry a coach you kind of know that you might not stay in the same place all the time so um we we moved to North Carolina and as you said Patrick that's where we had you and Marit and we had a great time there and we met lots of great people Billy Taylor came with us from Notre Dame um and we were super blessed by that Courtney Eldridge was the point guard um of that team and daddy did a great job. And then we left there and we had, you know, what, three kids, Connor, you were, I don't know, four um, when we left and we went to New York and, um, and Albany was Siena college was a, a terrific place for us. It was such a great atmosphere. Um, they embraced us. They were so welcoming. It didn't hurt that dad did a really good job. And then we had a terrific team. So um, that was made it even more fun. Jack was born, you know, the guy, uh, Norm, who ran the cafeteria, he, he got a high chair for Jack in the cafeteria so we could all go eat. I don't know if you guys remember, but you had the run of the campus. Everybody knew who you were and you would go wherever you wanted. And then you just thought you could show up in the cafeteria and eat whenever you wanted to and get ice cream or do whatever. And uh, you would go to work with daddy and, and it was, you know, it was, it was a great place for us. And, um, and then we came to Iowa and things have worked out here as well. Yeah. Mom, do you have a favorite place that we've been? South Bend, Greensboro, New York. Our favorite place is Albany. Don't even ask. <laughs> You know what, honestly, like I love all of them for different reasons. I mean, I love South Bend because that's where I met dad. 
and we had you, Connor, and then Greensboro was awesome because we had phenomenal friends, David and Martha Brown, Kovaleskis, and then we had Patrick and Marit there. And then Albany was was a, a godsend too. I mean, you know, the friends we have there who are still our friends, Donna Hughes, Betsy. Hello, Betsy. Shout out Betsy, the Hazes, I mean, the Maliki, just, it, it was such a great place for you guys to grow up. And, um, and then, you know, coming here was, as I said, was a terrific blessing. And we have so many wonderful people in our life here, the Fullards and the McDowell Whiskus clan. And I don't even, I can't even name them all, but. Yeah, Dante. To, we're leaving people yeah. out. It's hard to get into it. But it's, it's really hard because, but we've been, suffice to say, we've been blessed everywhere we've been. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's get into, let's get into the good stuff. <laughs> What's it like being a mom to two players who take more shit than anyone else? Um, do you want me to be diplomatic or not? <laughs> no, you can say what you want. Pod. I, uh, we didn't you know, get into it, this for the diplomacy. Yeah. The diplomacy. You mean? Um, I meant diplomacy. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know what? It's hard for me. I have to say. Um, And I, it's a lot of pressure and I love your dad. And I love that you guys are having a great experience playing for your dad. Um, But I'm not going to lie. There are lots of times where I wish that you had chosen to go somewhere else. Um, And I think that People have been incredibly unfair, um, probably especially to you, Connor. And I get tired of it, um, but I've tried to be a little bit quiet. I don't know. Nobody's really asked me until you guys. So, um, you know, I don't know why Michael Oss or those people don't interview me all the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, be a good interview. Yeah, well, probably because I wouldn't hold back too much. But um, no, I, you know, I, th- I think it's, I think we've sacrificed a lot. I think we've had a lot of blessings. And, um, and I think you guys deserve a ton of credit and not nearly as much of the blame. But, you know, as dad points out, I mean, I don't think a lot of our players have taken a lot of blame over the years. And I don't think it's fair. I mean, you guys are amateur athletes. And um, you're going to have great times. You're going to have not so great times. And I wish that more people recognized the difficulty and the sacrifice that you put in and, and what you do on a regular basis. And, um, and that it's really not fair to be quite so mean. But I also think that, you know, the people that are jerks on social media and I really try really hard not to even pay any attention to it. Um, and I, I'm pretty successful at that. I think those people are in the minority. And I think we've seen that when Patrick, like I know there was somebody that in my limited experience that tweeted at you and said something yucky. And there were so many more people that came to your defense and to dad's defense. And, you know, and I, th- I think that's the case. So I guess you just have to try to believe that there's more good and in people and they're more humane people out there that aren't the ones that are trying to start arguments and be critical on social media. 
that have Cheeto fingers and don't leave their couch. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about me, but like I've seen a couple things from on Patrick, like digging on Patrick, like he's averaging, like I'm going to gas him a little here, but he's averaging 13, 13, 14 points a game on 45% shooting as a starting three wingman in the Big Ten. He's 6'9", athletic. Like, if he put his name in the portal tomorrow, there's not one fucking school that would not call. There's not. Like, I'm just telling, like, all these people that get pissed about him. And that's just the way that – that's the way that it has to be. Um, people are going to be overly critical of, of him and of me. And that's just the way that it is. You got to be twice as good being, being a coach's son. That's, that's the way that it is. And that's okay. I've learned that. No, it's, it's um, really it's not. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it's not. Because as you pointed out before, you know, this is not CYO basketball. Like, if you guys weren't good enough and you didn't add value to the game, dad wouldn't play you. And he wouldn't have given you scholarships and he wouldn't have offered you scholarships. I mean, Connor, you too could have gone to a lot of different places. And I think if you asked a lot of coaches in the Big Ten, what value does Connor McCaffrey bring to the team? I, I can imagine that they would all have a lot of good things to say about both of you. And that's just what you have to, I mean, it's ignorant fans who have no idea, you know, the, anybody who watches and doesn't understand what you guys do or what any of your teammates do, you know, what does Jordan Bohannon bring? I mean, they guard him like he's freaking Steph Curry. Like that's a, that's a big value right? When you're playing. I mean, people don't understand that. And that's kind of something that I've wanted to talk about a little more like the weight that even if Jordan's not making shots, the weight that he holds on offense is so great. And people, people don't see that. They don't understand. But, but most people don't understand the game. They don't, they don't get it. Like they think that, you know, they watch one little segment of something and they, and they, they sort of focus on that and they don't understand how, things contribute like they don't understand I mean like Bill Raftery said about you Connor like if I was Luca Garza I would pay him to take him wherever I go I mean nobody feeds the post the way you do nobody does it's a lost art it is and I, and I can say this as a post player who was the beneficiary of some great passing but if you didn't bounce pass it into the post and figure it out and do it the right way Muffet was pulling you out of the game and you were done and not done, but I mean, you might get back in eventually, but you had to do it the way, and you know, the way you do it and, and Patrick, you know, the, the, the moxie and the other stuff that you bring and, and the challenges that you faced in terms of, yeah, you, you don't, you know, your body's different from most people. So you're not as thick as some guys, you know, you're not as strong in certain ways. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter. Go on down the line. I mean, people complained if, Joey's can't miss three shots in a row. It was, oh, he's terrible. Like, no, he's not. He's really good. You know, Adam Woodbury, oh, he can't do it. Well, no, he's terrific. It just, people don't understand. And that, that's been the hardest thing for me to watch. And, and it, it was hard for me to watch it with other players on our team. And now as your mom, it's really hard for me to see and listen to people be critical of of you guys obviously because i'm i'm the mom i'm mama bear and i don't want anybody to say anything bad so i think that's 
that's been the hardest thing, but, but I try to take comfort in the fact that I think that you've enjoyed your experience and you love your teammates and you have great teammates and they're good kids and, and you like to play for your dad and he's been a good coach for you guys and a good advocate for you. So that's what I'm clinging to. Yeah. I mean, at this point we've won too many games with all of these horrible players that we've had. Right. <laughs> God damn it, we suck. Yeah, well. I mean, I mean you we've know. had winning seasons. It's not like we're below 500 every year and we just get to stick around. Like, no, no. And, and it's, you know, nice. you said it best, Connor. It's not CYO. Like, at some point, you don't, you don't play your kid anymore. I mean, you, you play the best players. So I, I don't know what to say to people who want to, be critical other than they're stupid. Yeah. But well, I know I think- is that I'm not really a division one basketball foot player according to a certain contingency of Iowa fans <laughs> that I should not play division one basketball. You know what? Then those people can go root for any other team in the world that they want to. They can go do, they can go do more than that to themselves. They can go pound <laughs> sand in my opinion. I mean, they, nobody needs them. And it, it's not it's not worth even giving them a shout out because they're so ignorant that it's just you know it's it's not worth it and it's crazy because they say the same thing about like some of my teammates too and it's like yeah. well we all play division one basketball so so you can't say we're not division one basketball players because that it's not the truth <laughs> we are it's just you know people need to get a perspective on life and I think a lot of our fans do, though. Like you said, we do have a lot of positive I fans. I, I think that's the shame of social media. And that's what you guys have to live with. And I never did. And dad never did. And, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anybody because I dad think. still doesn't live with it, but. Well, he, no, he doesn't. But I think that the, you know, the good outweighs the bad. I'd like to think in the world. And, but unfortunately, if you look at Twitter or Instagram or whatever other idiots want to say stuff on whatever platform that they think that they have, then you don't get that sense. But, but I think at the end of the day, I do think there are more good people than bad people. There are more good people in the stands, more good people cheering for you, for you and, and for all of your teammates, everybody. And unfortunately, they're not the ones that choose to speak out as much. It's the idiots. And you see it in, you see it in the, in the halftime tweet, like, I didn't even look at them, but if you looked when we tweeted, the Iowa basketball account tweeted like the halftime score, there was like 50 replies. And then when we won and they tweeted the winning score, there was like four. Yeah. And I don't want to know. I don't want to, I'm not going to click on that. Like, I don't want to know what was said, but like, I just know what it was. And like, that's just the way that, that's just the way that people are. I have clicked on some of those on Instagram. I'm just not going to lie. And if you've gotten a reply that said you're an idiot or a moron or whatever, it was probably from me just saying, because if you want to be critical, I'm going to, you know, if you want to be rude about Jabo or Connor or Patrick or the team, I, I probably will respond to that. And I, it might get me knocked off of Instagram, which I don't really care, but you know, People it, it, say a lot worse things on Instagram than you're an idiot <laughs> on the Iowa basketball Instagram account. <laughs> It'll take a lot more than that for you to get banned. <laughs> I don't know. 
but I, you know, I don't, I don't come from that era of where people felt like stupid people felt like they had a platform. Like it was intelligent people that had a platform when I grew up. Like if you were on the news, you were generally a relatively well-spoken, smart person. That's not the case anymore, unfortunately. And social media has contributed to a lot of that. It's not. No, it's not. It's not the case on the networks. It's not the case on the blogs, on the whatever. I mean, anybody can have a platform. And, um, and that, as I said, like that was not the case when I was growing up. You actually had to have a brain to be able to comment and, and say things that were relevant. And uh, I don't know why we've gotten so far away from that, but, um, you know, hopefully it'll come back to that. And as I said, I, I still think, and I have to believe that there are more good people than bad people out there who are reasonable and who are supportive and who want the best for, and understand that college athletes are kids at the end of the day and yeah. deserve to be supported. Is this why, is this why you don't, last question, is this why you don't want Patrick or I to get into coaching? Uh, I mean, I think that's a part of it. I, I think that the state of the game right now is not compelling. It's not what it was when your father got into it. It's not what it was when I married him 25 years ago. I think that the fans, the, the parents, the climate of the whole entire thing is just not something that that was what the intent of college athletics is right like it was supposed to be go and have an allegiance to a team that supports you that recruits you that wants you to come and be a part of their program get an education graduate have a good life maybe play professionally but maybe not and now I don't think that that's the, I think too many people think they're going to go to the NBA. And I mean, they don't draft any more people every year at all. They, it's the same, right? Like the draft is what it is. They're still drafting the same number of guys. And so just because somebody's parent thinks that they're going to get there doesn't mean that that's the case. And I think that uh, the, the idea of getting the education is unfortunately being diminished. And, um, and I think that the loyalty part of it, like, I can't imagine. And even when dad first got to, like, I can't imagine having somebody from Northwestern transfer to Indiana and play for them. Like within your conference, I just, it just seems weird to me. And, and uh, there are other examples of that. Like you just don't do that but the loyalty of kids and, and families and people to certain things is just different. And so that's what I don't want you guys to experience. Now, if there's a big about face, which I think there will be at some point, cause it can't sustain itself in the same way that it is right now, um, then go for it if you want to be a part of it, but it's not the same as when we were doing it. You know, you don't have Kenny Hasbrook and Ronald Moore and Edwin Ubalis and Alexander Franklin staying on a team anymore that, that doesn't happen they would all got poached they would all yeah they would, they would have all been poached 
I mean, they're better than they were better. I, they could have started for any, any of them could have started for any. I mean, I'd like to think that all of them, because they loved playing together and they loved playing for daddy and they love Sienna that they would have stayed together. But I think that's probably naive, but to, to be in those situations, it just, it doesn't happen anymore. And it's, so it's made it almost impossible to be a mid-major coach. And even at the high major levels, it's, it's just, why do you want to have to recruit the same guys every year? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's almost like as a mid-major coach now, you got to catch guys on the way down. Like you, you got to catch the, you got to catch the high major guys coming down. And then the, as a high major coach trying to build a program, if you, I mean, look at, look at Crean at Georgia, the players that he's had that all just, they just leave. Cause like they, they're like not quite there. Like they're one year away every year. Like if they just stay and, but then they just leave all of his best players, they just transfer. And he can't like, you can't get over the hump. Like it's, it's everyone takes off. It's just insane. Um, it's hard. But, yeah. yeah. But that said, I mean, I think we have a really good group of guys and I think we've, you know, we don't, I don't know. I guess you have to adjust, but you know, I'd like to think that you can keep people happy and make them give them a situation and make them feel like they're in a great place. But it's it's hard. It's gotten. I hard. love my teammates. I I love your teammates too. I think they're great guys. Except Joe Toussaint. I love the rest of my teammates. Oh, Patrick, I love Joe Toussaint. Come on. No, no, no. I'm saying I, I don't. Have, I have barbecue sauce for Joe in my fridge, so we Let's know that go. I love Joe. Joe likes barbecue sauce for those of you who don't know. All right, let's get into the draft. Let's get into the draft. We are drafting rom-coms, romantic comedy movies, and there's going to be some discrepancies on what qualifies. First of all, Mom, did you do any research? Marit, did you do any research? No, because I didn't know about this till right now. But I told you about it two hours ago. Okay, and then I had to drive your brother home from his game and hustle up to get on the podcast. So, no, I didn't do research. Mart, did you? No. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, right. Okay, well, because you are a special guest, Marit, you get the first pick. Mom, you get second. Patrick, third. I'll take fourth, and then we're snaking it back. So I'll, take, I'll get fourth and fifth, and then Patrick will go. Mom. Marit, you'll get two. So, Marit, you start us off. With, you get the number one overall pick. A huge honor. Um, my pick is Hitch. Oh! <laughs> that was my first pick. Were you going with Hitch, Patrick? Yep. Yeah. So I, I mean, you can't be. Am I next? Yeah, yeah Mom, you go now. So I'm dating myself, but when Harry met Sally. Yeah, that, I figured you were going to pick that. Yeah. That's All like right. if you look it up, if you look up rom coms, when Harry met Sally's like the number one consensus it's the overall. best all time ever. Not even yeah. close. All right. Mine. Just go with it. Oh. Adam Sandler. Who? Adam Sandler and Zadolf Lundgren. Oh. <laughs> that is a classic, classic movie. All right. One with Brooklyn Decker when she's walking out of the beach. Or walking out of the ocean on the beach. No, that, it, I, 
Okay, that doesn't make a movie, Patrick. It might for you right at that moment, but that's no, 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 no. really what makes a movie. No, the movie is very good. It's very good. I, I was going to pick it. I was going to pick it. I okay, was. Okay, that's yours then. All right, I'm going with my number one overall pick, Pretty Woman. Oh, you're only taking that because you knew that I would take it. You never seen Woman. it. You it was an amazing seen movie. It until I showed it to you. That's true, but it is a phenomenal. <laughs> I loved it. It is one of my. It's one of my favorite movies. One of the best of all time. Yeah, it is. And you then two picks now, or no? Uh, I got, yeah, I go again, and then we go back the other way. Oh, that's unfortunate. For my second pick, I'm going. I feel like I could get this in a later round, but I'm gonna take it now because it truly is like in terms of rom-coms like it's one of my favorites i will never like if it's on i'll watch it think like a man that was my next pick that's my next pick too Patrick was gonna take it i'm glad i got it then i love it it's classic kevin hart i mean it's hilarious and it's- See, i just googled rom-coms on my phone and i saw it i wish i picked it first it's it's great. It truly is. Mom, so you probably haven't good. even seen it, have you? I don't think I have seen it. What, wait, it's amazing. Like a man too. That's probably what I'm gonna pick. It's like Kevin Hart, um, Jerry for uh, Turtle, Turtles in it. Jerry Ferrara, Terrence J. Terrence J. Michael Ely, um, Taraji P. Henson, yeah, Taraji P. Henson, Regina Hall, um, Gabrielle Union, uh. There's a squad. There's a okay. squad. Megan Good. Oh, I love Megan Good. She's my favorite She's character in that movie. No, the best part in that movie at the end, I always record it, and it's me and my 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 friend Trey Hutchison's inside joke because <laughs> we always watch that movie, and it's like it's when Kevin Hart's on the phone with his ex-wife, like confessing his love to her and how he wants to come back and all this stuff, and he's in the bathroom at a at a restaurant. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, he, he he says he's going home or whatever, hangs up the phone, and then you hear the toilet flush. <laughs> and the guy guy gets out. He's got this little beret on. And he walks out. He pats Kevin on the shoulder. And he's like, like go back to Gail, man. Go get Gail. And then the guy walks out of the bathroom, and Kevin goes, you didn't even wash your hands, man? And then he's like, who the hell shits with a hat on anyway? <laughs> and that part gets me every single time. And I laugh every single time I watch it. And that's my favorite movie ever. And I always record that part and send it to Trey. But anyways, for my second pick, I'm picking the sequel, Think Like a Man 2. It's when they all go to Vegas for uh, Candace Hall and Terrence J's wedding. And it's just an incredible movie. So Think Like a Man 2. Who's wow. next? Me or Mark? That was a lot going on. Mom. I had to tell that story. I would be next. Your turn. Yes. Patrick, I can't I believe know you, were gonna you were Connor. I can't believe you didn't pick Step Brothers as a rom-com. <laughs> How is that a rom-com? It's yeah, not, not as much romance. If two of you recite it, maybe it should be. Uh, I don't know if this really constitutes rom-com, but I'm, I'm going with it because it was the first movie your dad and I saw together was The American President. And if That's it's not, not a rom com. Okay, but it's one of the best written movies ever in the history of movies. Well, duh, it's Aaron Sorkin. I know. So, okay. Otherwise, mm. no, you don't get another pick. That's your pick. No, that's not a rom com. I have a one A and one B. 
Yeah, no, man. that's not a rom com. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. One A and a one B. I, I don't know. Okay, fine. Then I would say Sleepless in Seattle. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I was going to pick that. You were? Oh. I was. It's on my list. Yeah. Good pick. Dirty Mara, Dancing. Me, Mom, would have picked Dirty Dancing, too. Um, my next two picks are My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, good. Yeah. One. I was yeah. picking that next. <laughs> And then the next one is the proposal. Ooh. Yeah. Solid. Does it go back to me now? Yes, now mom, it's you. Sweet home Alabama. Ooh. Okay. That's not on my list. What? That's not on your list? Oh, you need to watch that. It's really good. I don't know. There are probably other ones too, but that's just well, the notebook isn't a rom com, rom com, so. Yeah, no. No. Right, I have one. Mara, you like this movie, Crazy Rich Asians? Ah, I was gonna pick that. I'm still so mad that you picked Think Like a Man. <laughs> the wedding right. planner should go in there too. You you can't say that when like you can't just keep throwing out these movies. Oh, I'm the mom. I can I can say this. Okay. <laughs> All right. My next two picks. I'm going with my third overall pick, The Parent Trap. Yeah. Okay. Classic. And then my fourth pick going Fifty First Dates. Adam Sandler. Those are two good picks. Adam Sandler. All right, back to me. Is The Wedding Ringer a rom-com? Yes, and I was going to pick it. The Wedding Ringer with Kevin Hart. I'm picking that one. Where he pretends, or doesn't pretend, but he, he, he pretends to be your best man. You hire him, and he's your best man. He has, like, a very good business out of it. The movie's <laughs> hilarious. I highly recommend it to anybody who wants to watch it. Okay. All right. Mom. Back to you, Mom. Oh, gosh. I'm choking. Uh, I don't... I don't know. You can pick anything. I mean, Out of Africa is not a rom-com. What about so. that one pizza movie you made us watch? Oh, Mystic Pizza? That was good. Uh, no, I, not that one. I would say The Wedding Planner with J-Lo and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I do like J-Lo. Yeah. And that's, it's a good one. It's really good, actually. That's a good pick. It's a good pick. Marit, you have two to finish it off. Come on, Marit. Wait, how many picks do I get? Two. You get two right now. Okay. Um... Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. And then oh. um, Bridesmaids. Oh, well, yeah. I was about to pick Bridesmaids. That's the best I'll ever. Sorry, Marit. Way to go. You win, Marit. Also, The Holiday. I forgot about that yeah, one. I also had The Holiday and How to Live Without Dates. Mom, no, you I'm haven't... not saying I do. I'm just saying that I'm adding to the list because people should know. 
Do you want to pick that? The holiday? Yeah. Wait, I picked five? No. Oh. You picked four. It's technically, Marit picked two, so now it's technically mom's turn. But if she picks the holiday, then that counts. Okay, I'm picking the holiday. Okay. Marit right. picked Bridesmaids in the fifth round. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I was about to pick that. You shouldn't have gone that long, Marit. That was brilliant by you. Um, I didn't know if it's technically like a rom com, like a romance. Not really, but More it just counts. comedy, but we'll allow it. All right, I'm coming up with. Oh, this is a good one. If um, another Adam Sandler movie. Okay, that's cheating to use your phone. By the way, I haven't used it. It's not when I don't use a draft board. Um, so I'm picking another Adam Sandler movie, and that movie. Oh. Is Pitch Perfect a rom-com? No. There is romance, and there is comedy. Pitch Perfect, no. I'm not counting that. Okay, fine. Then I'm picking uh, Blended with Adam Sandler. It's when they oh, go to Sandler. Africa together on the fake Adam vacation. Sandler, he's just not a romantic hero. I'm that sorry. You got to pick that something sucks. else. That movie does not suck. That movie is hilarious. It's bad, is- and he's not – it's not a. you have to pick something else. <laughs> well, okay, to pick like Patrick, she doesn't like just go with it which is one of the all-time greats ever yeah i i don't dislike i just blended is hilarious okay me and joe t always watched it and thought it was really funny well i mean then you can go with madagascar too if you want to that's not a rom-com <laughs> you were so far off fine all right for my last pick I'm going The Breakup. Yes, I love that one. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great one. It's funny, a lot of romance, but mainly funny. That's the one where he's like, or she's like, my sister's been through a lot. I wasn't going to say the next part. I wasn't going to say it, but it's that movie. Yes, that one, yes. But really, I mean, when you go back to it, like when Harry met Sally, Pretty Woman, Dirty Dancing, although I don't know that it's a rom-com because whatever, but the, you just can't really top those. Ghost, not a rom-com, but... Is Wedding Crashers a rom-com? Oh, yeah. Okay, so right, Wedding Crashers should be... Is it though? I, I don't think of it as much as... I a, don't think it is, like, it is either. It's more of just a comedy. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wasn't... That was like the line I was... Because I wanted to pick that, obviously. But so is... But okay, so you gave Marit bridesmaids. So if you're gonna because bridesmaids, there are two be- separate story, like main storylines that have to do with like the main character. So does wedding crashers. Wedding crashers does too. Yeah, I've never seen wedding crashers. Oh, it's so good. Wait, oh. You haven't? You need to watch that. We'll watch that. I don't know. Well, maybe not. All right, Patrick. Honorable mention. I don't have any. Yeah. Wow. I have has not been. Mention. I had. Uh, in a list. The what? Mara, you go your list and then I'll say mine. My, how many honorable mentions do I get? Just ones that you think are notable. Um, how to lose a t- how to lose a guy in ten days. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Ten things I hate about you. Yeah. I feel like that's it. Those are your two. Yeah. Definitely both solid. I had I had Bull Durham on my list, which, you know, kind of is. 
Uh, and he's just not that into you. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Love and Basketball was another one I have, but that's more – that's not, not as much comedy. comedy. It's not funny. No, I know. It's not as much comedy. But, it, like, if you look up rom-coms, like, it does come up. But I don't think it's a comedy. But I, I think, think we're – no, I don't think so either. There's, like there's the a fun. One. What's the one with um, Sandra Bullock? Ryan Reynolds and Betty White. No. The Blind Side. No. Uh, Sandra Bullock and Harry Connick Jr. Uh, I don't know who that second guy is. Oh my gosh, come on. Uh, oh my gosh, it's so good. Hope floats. That if you're gonna give, it's not really a comedy, but if we're going with some of the other ones, it's that's a good one too. Yeah. Anyway. We're on different wavelengths in we terms are. of. Yeah. Well, lately. I think you know, Pretty Woman can't go wrong. Yeah. Cool. You know. That's yeah. When Harry Met Sally, I still haven't seen Met When Harry Met Sally. What? Yeah, we watched that at home. No. Nope. Oh, no. <gasps> oh my gosh. I know. I need to watch it. I, I know. Need to educate you. Yeah, I need to. No, I know. I need to watch it. Because men and women can't be friends, Connor. That's like my biggest philosophy in life. Mm-hmm. That yeah. men and women can't actually be friends. Yeah, I'm not going to say why, as you follow up in the movie, but we can talk about that off screen. Okay. Yeah, that's actually my biggest <laughs> philosophy in life. But I think that's a good place to end it. Hames Holmes, thank you guys. Connor. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, boys. Mom, thank you for joining. Marit, thank you for joining. Both. Love you, Marit. See thank you in two days. Love you guys. See you Thursday. Shout out Hames Holmes. Like Patrick said, they provide beauty and comfort in Eastern Iowa. Thank you. It's a great episode. Signing off. Tito. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.